On this week's episode of the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast, I share my interview with Dale Marchand of Rolling Dale Cycles in Alberta, Canada. Each week on the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast, I get on the phone, I talk to somebody in the frame building world, and I try and help them tell their story, how they got into it, uh, you know, how they learned along the way, classes they took, different, you know, lessons they learned and people who've helped them. Uh, I like to talk about process and technique and all of those sorts of things. And it's usually a conversation for about an hour. So this week, my guest is Dale Marchand of Rollingdale Cycles in Alberta, Canada. I think he's newer to frame building. He said he took a frame building class in 2016 with Paul Brody. He's just really doing great things for uh, someone who's relatively new to the trade. Just really great welds, cool shop process, and clean sort of methodical work. You can see that he's uh, he's very uh, step-by-step in the way that he does things, and it looks great. Lots of bikes in titanium, some in steel. I think his original class with Paul Brody was in fillet-braced steel. And so uh, these are sort of the processes and techniques for some mountain bikes and road bikes. He does uh, pinion drivetrain and different things. I saw him at the North American Handmade Bike Show last year, 2019, in Sacramento, and he had a couple bikes in a new builder, booth two or three bikes there and dale's personality is definitely that of the polite and humble and helpful sort of uh, some of these maybe classic canadian tropes or something uh, just a real sweetheart of a guy so it's it's great to get to talk to him uh, about his perspective you know dale being across the border he's geographically very close to a lot of frame builders in the united states and yet the uh the border kind of throws a wrench into all that. You can't so easily source all the materials and parts for the bike without paying steep import duties, paying way more for shipping, all that stuff. So I wanted to sort of talk about what that's like, the experience of being located in Canada as a frame builder. But anyway, you know, in the interview here, I'm just uh, asking him to sort of tell his story and how he got started uh, making bikes. You know, my story is probably not truly that much different. It's a, it's a little bit different perhaps than Canadian guy, okay, you know, so <laughs> it's, it's, uh, from that perspective, I mean, I grew up in, in northern Alberta, you know, in Fort McMurray, probably a little bit different than most other builders, perhaps. I mean, Fort McMurray is, uh, is, uh, known for the oil sands and the, you know, the energy industry. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, what are you doing, you know, talking about bikes and, you know, the environmental things and so on. You know when you're talking about McMurray, but there's there's a culture and a community for for what we do everywhere, no matter where you come from. I guess it can be in the strong end of the road industrial town to, you know, to Southern California. I mean, the passion remains the same, and so, you know, my my background may be a little bit different and more industrial to that extent. And uh, yeah, so so. Uh... You know, you're you're making bikes now. I think they're beautiful bikes. But, uh, you know, when did you, I assume you've been riding bikes a long time and at some point you decided that you wanted to try making them? Like, how did, how did that sort of unfold? Like, when did you find out about frame building and when did you decide that you wanted to try your hand at it? Did you have any fabrication experience when you took that on? Like, what did all that process look like for you? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I've been, like, most, you know, I mean, I grew up in, in the 80s, 70s, and 80s, and you know, for McMurray, I, I jumped on a BM, BMX bike. It was 
you know, from the banana seat bikes to BMX and rode, you know, the hell out of a BMX bike for my entire teenage life, basically, and not competing, you know, with anybody other than myself, I guess. I have always worked around shops. My dad, you know, I just recently posted a really nice picture of him and, you know, he, he always had a shop, you know, more on the woodworking side of things, but he, he always had a tremendous amount of respect for, you know, for high quality tools and building his own jigs and fixtures. And I, you know, thankfully some of that rubbed off on me. I, I took the opportunity through high school to get into welding class and, and uh, was introduced to it then. I've loved always have loved working with metal you know right from the day one so to speak and i guess from there i you know i jumped onto motorbikes and enduro bikes and touring bikes and so on and so forth and i never really went into any sort of a fabrication industry out of high school i didn't go to to university until way later Mm -hmm. Uh, and so i ended up going to work basically out of high school i went to work for a tire shop Drove truck. I, I mean, I <laughs> drove yeah, I mean, for a number of years, like big winch tractors. And that's what, you know, that's what that industry was like in Fort McMurray in northern Alberta. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, from from back roads to bush roads to ice roads to you name it all across western Canada and, and did that for the better part of a decade. And wow. uh, so, you know, I was always working, you know, around heavy equipment with cranes and excavators and and you name it oil field type of equipment and so you know i guess i i didn't have a a complete departure from you know from riding bikes at a young age and then went right into you know into the industry and went to work and you know worked in shops and you're always wrenching on something you know fixing something under a truck somewhere in the middle of nowhere and um (laughs) You know, and that, that was good. It was, you know, it's, it's, it's an education. If you look at, you know, those things as opportunities, then, you know, that you, you can take the opportunity to learn, you know, along the way. And I, I, I think that I did a pretty good job of that. Mm-hmm. As I got into, you know, owning a home and that type of thing, we, you know, same type of thing. My dad's uh, influence rubbed off on me in terms of having a shop and, and gathering up tools and always having, you know, something that I could do on the weekends and so on. And so, you know, that, that love turned into, you know, just wrenching on motorcycles and ended up building a, a bike here a couple of years ago, just from scratch, a, an old 1957 Harley Panhead. And so when you say that you built a bike, what, what did that process entail? I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, from that perspective, it was a pallet of parts, an old motor transmission gathered up, you know, all of the pieces and parts of, uh, you know, the, the Springer front end and frame and so on, and just more or less assembled everything mm-hmm. and, um, you know, put some design work into, you know, to what it was going to look like, the touch of fenders and tank and handlebars and, yeah. you know, all of that in order to find a, you know, and make sure that it was, you know, it had some, you know, some design aspects that, you know, that made sense from basically tip to tail. Yeah. And, you know, going through that process was, you know, I need to brush up on my welding. I need to, you know, get some machine tools. A lathe wouldn't hurt and so on and so forth. I started to gather up. <laughs> now, never, yeah, never would, wouldn't hurt to get a lathe, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's, machines. It's, right? it's easy for yeah. for people like us to, to find excuses to pick up little tools like that. Oh, my gosh. It's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. Your lathe, too, is beautiful. Pretty, we should talk about that at some point. But. We, 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, but you so, know, okay. So you're building I, this, this motorcycle project and that's kind of sparking some enthusiasm in, in like the building and the fabrication sort of work and the, the shop to support it, I guess that was, that was like kind yeah. of a, oh, a lead in toward this kind of stuff for you. Exactly. You know, after I, you know, after I completed the project and, you know, kickstart, uh, hand shift, really cool, you know, motorcycle rode it for a little bit and I'm like, well, you know, it'd be interesting to build one from complete scratch, right from frame up. And so I started to look around and, you know, what, what's out there for, you know, who's out there basically to, you know, doing this type of thing. And, you know, I came across Paul Brody's frame building class. I'm like, well, it's bicycles and that should be really interesting. And, and, uh, you know, so that was back in, you know, that was back in April of 2016. So it really wasn't that you know, that long ago, mm-hmm. a few years back. And my, my brother and I, he's got a, you know, he's got a, he's a machinist by trade. He has an engineering background. He works at uh, the university here locally. And he's, uh, anyway, he's helped me tremendously. He and I decided, okay, let's go down to Paul, Paul's class down in, uh, in Abbotsford, British Columbia, mm-hmm. and go and uh, build a couple of bikes and go and see what the process is like. And, uh, and I mean, that just opened up an entire, you know, new world to me of, you know, what you could do. You know, Paul is such a gentleman. He's a, he's a brilliant builder, fearless person, it seems to me. <laughs> and uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. He taught me in the two-week course, you know, like one of the things he left me with is just like, you know, just keep building. You know, when, when you leave here, don't, you know, don't stop. And so, yeah, I mean, going through that back in uh, in April, you know, left me with a handful of things. It was like, okay, what's this NABS thing? And, <laughs> and who are all these other people? And there's a community behind it. And, you know, how do I start diving into this a little bit deeper? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't, I don't have the long lineage of, you know, and I can't create a history that isn't exact, isn't, doesn't exist. And so I don't have a long lineage of, of a, oh, I've been a frame builder for, you know, forever and, mm-hmm. and so on. And so I, I, you know, I have to recognize where I start is where I started. And, you know, so that, that was really the introduction was Paul's class. You know, from there, we, we actually took a little bit of a trip later on uh, that kind of that next year into Italy. I, I tracked, I was kind of had frame building on my brain entirely mm-hmm. and um, ended up, you know, tracking down, you know, a frame builder in Italy because why not? <laughs> and ran into Darren Crisp in, um, you know, in Italy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was generous enough to, to say, come on and, and have a look at what I'm doing. Um, you know, this is my shop and this is my process. And so I went, I spent an afternoon with Darren. You know, he then introduced me into, you know, UBI. This is where he went. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to go and sign up for, you know, a titanium frame building course and, uh, and did that. Yeah. What was the uh, the course that you took with Paul Brody? Was that like a steel TIG welding course? Yeah, it was a it was a Philip Ray's, um, you know, steel uh, exactly. Oh, okay, Philip um, Ray's, yeah, yeah, Philip Ray's course, yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, so so I ended up with a couple of really great bikes, you know, a nice, beautiful Philip Ray's bike. Um, I came home realizing, you know, out of Paul's course that you know you soon not an easy thing to just come back and, and then start building again. I mean, it's yeah, no. where am I going to, you know, what type of fixturing do I need? What type of tooling do I need? 
you know, you leave there with all of these different ideas, but then how do you get back and execute? And I, I guess I've taken on a pretty relentless, you know, pursuit of having a single-minded focus of just building bikes in my shop and building frames. And, and so that's really, you know, that focus has helped me orientate myself into the types of tooling that I need and the, the types of fixturing that I need. And then the types of conversations that I have with other people, other builders, you know, in terms of trying to dive into the community and learn a little bit more about how to, you know, how to educate myself, further define the process that I have in terms of building from, you know, from start to finish. Yeah. A couple of trips down to NABS, you know, went down to NABS in Salt Lake City and just walked the show. Um, three days is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> could, have spent, could have spent a week, honestly. And uh, so we, we did that, both my brother and I, Roger. And uh, and then the following year, we went down to Hartford and did the same. Yeah, that's and, a haul. Uh, did you fly? We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, and then yeah, this past year, you know, we drove down from you know from Alberta down to Sacramento and uh, brought a couple of bikes with me, a fat bike and uh, gravel bike that I built for my daughter. And uh, yeah, then, you know, you and I obviously met face to face there. We had a lot of conversations beforehand um, mm-hmm. about two vendors and so on and so forth <laughs> and, and different tools. Yeah, and, it and, was it was yeah. great to be able to meet you at the show. Uh, I, I figured that um, being across from the new builder row would be a good location for my booth. And so that's where I situated myself. And, uh, and I was right across the aisle from you. You, of course, were one of my uh, very, you were the first customer for my tube bender. And so not only yeah. was that great to be, you know, near your stuff, but you had used it on a couple different, you know, C-tubes and down tubes in your frames. And when I would have conversations about my bender, I could just kind of point people across the aisle it was super handy to me. Not not only that, but I thought you made you made the work that I did look incredibly good because you put them in these bikes with just excellent welds and the bike that I think you made for your daughter had that uh, velo color paint job that was just impeccable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do great work. Love to get them on the show sometime. But um, you know, you just all all the work that you had done. Look, that's what you always hope for. You know, if you if you build a bike, you hope your customer you know does it justice with nice parts or you know, whatever it is, like when, whenever you pour your heart into something, it's always so nice if the, the other people involved in the project, uh, you know, help, help you sort of bring it across the finish line or whatever. And, uh, it's definitely the experience that I had where, you know, like I, I made a bender that I thought could do a cool bend and then you have proceeded to, to use it in a lot of cool bikes. As I get into and I learn more about and meet more people and you, you, you and I, obviously we met over, you know, over the the buildup of, you know, my ambition in terms of finding, you know, some tools to do the things that I wanted to do. And, and, uh, you know, it was good conversations back and forth. I mean, you're super generous with your time, you know, when we were talking about the, you know, your bender and, and I thought in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, it's such a great thing to, to buy like the very first bender <laughs> ever. Cause I, I don't know. I just, I had this, notion or thought that you know you're going to really end up uh, hitting this thing out of the ballpark and yeah. uh, and you have for Thank sure you. and so yeah it's been really great and and yeah i mean i think that that's one of the you know again most enjoyable parts of this rabbit hole has been meeting all of you know all of the people that had the opportunity to meet and then and pick things up along the way and then hopefully give back a little bit i mean whether or not i can yeah 
as proficiently as others, but you know, oh. I'll certainly try. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Uh, the you know your whole take on everything has been to be very generous, and I see the work that you do, and it's for me, it's kind of almost hard to believe that you just got started at the time that you did because. I saw you posted a picture not long ago of some, I think, a titanium weld fusion pass on seat stays on a road bike. And mm-hmm. welding, TIG welding seat stays is freaking hard because the, the clearance that you need for the cup and the shielding gas and the tungsten stick out and you're wrapping it around. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's there's a left side and a right side. And you can't, to, to make it look symmetrical, is you have one right next to the other, but you can't you can't hit them the same way, so it's hard to make mm-hmm. them look symmetrical. You really did an excellent job with that, and so um, you know you're really off to a good start for the amount of time that you've been doing this work. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate it. I mean, that's one of the things that I mean, as as you know, and we all know. I mean, there's there's no hiding some of the you know the results, and and I've had really poor results too. I mean, that has not been. You know, I mean, uh, the trajectory has been reasonably steep, obviously. You know, I moved from steel into titanium very quickly, not because I had, you know, some ambition or notion that, you know, I can do this. I'm so good at it. You know, I I moved very quickly to it so that I could, you know, I could basically run into that learning curve and and come into the difficulties and know that we're going to, you know, come, you know, and really discover, okay, well, a can I can I do it? You know, two <laughs> is that you know is this there are other people that are doing it and you know Paul Brody left me with you know with this really great comment. He said not any one part of this is complicated. You have to break it down into small parts and then you know and then the whole assembly of things it may look complicated, but not any one part of it is complicated. Yeah. And so you know if looking at it from that perspective in that framework was okay. Well. You know how do we how do we do this step by step and and you have to you know you have to define your own processes which I've learned you know you, it's it's not as easy just to go to a frame builder and say okay well what's your you know what's your routine how do you weld how do you start uh, where which side do you start with and what process do you use you, you you can listen and use that as a takeaway but then you still have to come back and and uh, and work on your own. Uh, processes and and write things down and make mistakes and and do what you do in order to get to the you know some of those results I guess and then you know and then there's just the, the seat time you mm-hmm. know practice and practice and practice and practice and uh, you know none of it none of it necessarily comes easy some days it's really frustrating other days it's you know it's like wow that that really worked out good and and uh, try and take that as a you know takeaway and continue to work that into your you know into your future process. So, yeah. So yeah. let's look at the list here. I got a handful of things I wanted to ask you about. Uh, one of them is like machines and stuff. You have a really cool uh, shop. You you have a, a feeler lathe, which looks a lot like a, like a hard inch HLVH. And you have, a, I think, a bridge port and you have a, a vertical bandsaw and a number of other tools. It's a pretty nice little shop. And um, you make really sharp looking stuff, you know, like, I mean, you've, you certainly have, uh, I think you have a Sputnik frame fixture and you bought some stuff from me, but then you'll make some of your own tools too. And they look really good. You know, like, uh, let's talk some about the machines and, uh, what's the story with that feeler lathe? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I had, uh, originally had a Bantam, a Colchester Bantam, uh, really, you know, kind of a, an English decent lathe and it's where I started and, you know, tore it apart and more or less rebuilt it. And then, 
and use it for a, a short period of time. And I, you know, I'm always looking as most of them sure are, you know, around, uh, for, for different toolings. You, you looking on Kijiji or you're looking on, you know, whatever site it happens to be that, um, anyway, I, I came across this, uh, lathe. Actually, I think it might have been my brother that forwarded me the link and the ad was spelled F-E-A-L, you know, F-E-A-L-E-R. <laughs> and I'm like, what's this feeder lathe? It looks just like a hardened JHLVH. And he's like, yeah, it's exactly a perfect copy of, of that lathe. And, um, it's such a beautiful machine, honestly. It's, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I started to, you know, dig into, okay, well, feeder, you know, are made in Taiwan. They're, you know, they are a copy, but I mean, the parts are interchangeable from hardened to feeler. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's exactly the same, more or less exactly the same, uh, lathe as the HLVH. Beautiful English metric, um, you know, precision lathe, tool room, you know, accuracy with, uh, with the sweetest tool post on it and uh, multi-fix and you know mostly for for what i'm doing obviously i don't need a big brake lathe uh, i need something that's you know call it uh, i can put a chuck on it you know relatively easily on and off i can Mm -hmm. and uh and so yeah it's been i mean it's such a nice tool i I ended up you know a bit bit of a relentless you know approach to things too if i I see something it's okay go on this lathe is in calgary I'm going to go rent a trailer. I'm going to drive down. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> That's basically what I did, you know, 300 kilometers away. And, <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, and much the same. I mean, uh, the Bridgeport I have is, uh, I got really lucky there. It was uh, a fellow selling it locally here. And um, it was an easy track uh, mill initially. So it was a CNC that got converted back to, you know, just a conventional style oh. mill. And uh, so it's all ball screw. Oh, weird. So you got to have the brake on all the time. Yeah, for sure. But it's just really smooth, you know, obviously zero backlash, you know, machine, which is really nice. And um, put DROs on both, you know, the lathe and the mill. And then, and, uh, you know, so to have the, have vertical mill like that is, you know, has been super handy to do all sorts of things. You soon find out, you know, it's not about necessarily all about building bikes. It's about building tooling. Mm -hmm. And then you build enough tooling to decide like, why am I building all this tooling? I wanted to build bikes. <laughs> and, and so that led me to, to Jeff, you know, and, and, uh, yes. and going down uh, to pick up the Sputnik fixture. I had oh. built a fixture initially when I came back out of Paul's course and, uh, and it's worked really, really great on a handful of bikes. But as, you know, as, as you get deeper into the process and you, and you're using the fixture more and more and more as a verification as to what what your dimensions are, your X, Y, and your angles on, you know, Mm -hmm. head tube, seat tube, and so on. It's just really nice to have, you know, that as a uh, verification tool, you know, and then obviously the fixture to hold to do the tacking and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Jeff at Sputnik Tool makes a a beautiful frame fixture. I I think it's a a work of art, honestly. Uh, Really cool piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is for sure. I mean, it comes in this, you know, massive wooden crate, (laughs) <laughs> and it's uh it's like yeah it's it's such a heavy you know beautifully built piece of equipment and we were working last night till about midnight in the shop you know building some pinion bikes and you know and it's just you, you know what you have it's you don't have to worry about whether or not the fixture is in or out or otherwise it's deadly accurate so mm-hmm. it's it's really really good for that yeah so yeah i picked you know picked that up from jeff spent some time back and forth on you know on that and then uh 
Yeah, I've got a I've got a nice English uh, Elliott uh, horizontal mill. Oh, cool. That uh, used for basically the front triangle. Most of my mitering I do on the horizontal mill. It's been it's such a solid machine. It's Cat 40 taper, you know, nice and open to work around, and it just uses a fairly straightforward rotary table with the two jaw basically to do all my mitering and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's yeah, so it's a it's a nice solid machine, slow feed, you know, on it, and uh, yeah, it works really really great. So. Yeah. So what's the story with the the small CNC the Tormach? Yeah. So I mean that's really the it's pushed me. I, I was looking at smaller CNC machines and thinking you know, it'd be interesting to to delve into that, and more so for not necessarily for building my own you know frame components. But, you know, for building better tooling, you know, I, I look at it as, as you know, if the better the tooling that you can have, the more streamlined you can, pro, you know, make your process. Mm-hmm. And so I've got, I'm, I'm working into that right now. That's kind of where, you know, after a couple of years into this, that's where I find myself is, you know, let's redo some of the, you know, the fixturing. Let's redo some of the tooling so that we can take and move to the next you know, the next step. So yeah, help advance the process and, and de-bottleneck some of the areas that uh, maybe having some struggles with. So, I mean, I've, I've been searching around and lo and behold, here's a, a Tormac, fairly well outfitted. It, it obviously is a light machine, you know, and mm-hmm. compared it against, uh, you know, other, other CNCs, even of that size. Mm-hmm. And uh, so <laughs> the machine was out in Prince George, British Columbia. So I get chatting with the guy and, He's like, we'll trade for motorcycle. And I'm looking at my motorbike <laughs> in like in, in January thinking, what the heck am I doing? I, you know, let's take this, you know, opportunity and maybe this could work. And, uh, and I ended up trading the bike, the, my 57 pan head, you know, plus you know, I ended up getting some cash and, and the machine and a bunch of tooling and, and, uh, yeah, made the, made the transition from, two-wheel motorized stuff into more machine tools and and uh, just one step ratchet deeper into <laughs> you know, into into building bicycles so yeah, it's been really good you know and i mean you and i chatted about cnc and and what you're using for design software and i mean i had probably i was just scratching the surface of my ability of what i was asking for questions at that time and uh, you were like yeah you know i use fusion 360 and you know, don't be afraid of it. Just, you know, get, uh, you know, get, if you have any questions and so on. And it, you know, it, it really helped yeah. with, uh, with moving into that, uh, moving into that realm of things. Yeah. So. It's so accessible nowadays. The software is, it's really quite easy to learn. And once you unlock just the most basic stuff, you know, you could, you could do a lot just scratching the surface of what's possible. It's really, a, it's a lot more powerful than it would even need to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What do you have a Tormach eleven hundred or which one do you have? So I have the seven seventy okay, uh, series like, three. It's like the midsize yeah. one that they make. Yeah, exactly. They have a four forty, yeah. a seven seventy, and then the in the eleven hundred. Yeah. yeah. I used uh, in the one class that I took for CNC. I used an eleven hundred, and we just made some aluminum parts, so it wasn't pushing it that hard. But I've seen the YouTube videos where they cut like titanium and tool steel and different things with those and you know it's not mm-hmm. not even close to as rigid as a big heavy machine it doesn't have the horsepower i, I think 
my take on that without having used one much is that that's more of an issue for production than it is for small stuff. Like if you use smaller diameter cutting tools, you have lower uh, like forces on the tools and, uh, and you know, you can adjust your feeds and speeds. And if you're making small pieces and if the cycle time isn't critical, I think you can make some pretty dang good stuff on those. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're trying to hold incredibly tight tolerances, it's a problem. And I just, I don't think they're very, in my opinion, they're not very good for production because you really, for production, you want a tool changer, you want flood coolant, you want a lot of horsepower, you want a lot of speed and, and these things and, and, you know, chip and coolant management. But for, uh, for making, if you wanted to make dropouts for your own bikes or, you know, cable guides or any of that sort of stuff that Paragon makes, I would, I would imagine it would work quite well, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And, and for sure, I mean, given the, you know, given the size of, of parts and pieces that I'm building, it's a perfect machine that, you know, to do what I'm doing with, mm-hmm. you know, to start on, you know, start on making just aluminum, you know, parts for fixturing and so on and so forth. The, the machine's got a great conversational, um, you know, program with a path pilot. You can get in and, and you want to do some thread milling. You want to do, you know, something where you're rather than, you know, rather than using the fly cutter boring or otherwise on, you know, on the manual machine, you can just set up and, and, uh, you know, cut apart really, really quite quickly. And, and so it's been, it's been great for that. And as I continue to, you know, to dive into it and, and, um, work with fusion on some of the design work. And that's such a great program to move, you know, from, you know, from CAD into CAM and, and, you know, I see others doing, you know, fantastic, fantastic things with, uh, you know, with the designs. And I can't believe how incredibly, honestly how incredibly straightforward it is to move from yeah you know from you know your laptop to the machine top and it's like wow this is a simple you know <laughs> not necessarily simple but this is like i don't have any errors i don't have any what, what's yeah. going on here i yeah, should be running into more obstacles yeah you you would think that it would be harder and i think it is harder it's kind of like what you're saying uh from Paul Brody that it's like if you break it down into steps it's not hard like the the whole process if you're introduced to it at once it's overwhelming but if you if you understand you know work holding if you understand you know cutting tools if you understand speeds and feeds and then you figure out the software and you take it a step at a time it's not that challenging yeah yeah my brother's been I would say he's machinist by trade you know certainly spending time you know manually machining things for the last couple of years you know, has, has helped tremendously. And then he's also, you know, been a, just a tremendous help in, uh, you know, in, in feeds and speeds. And here's a calculator. Here's, you know, the type of tooling that you'd use here, or this is a type of work holding that might work better, mm-hmm. um, you know, or pick up an electronic tool set or do some of the different things that, you know, that will help the process along. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it, it is really about whether it's machine tools or whether it's frame building or whether whatever it happens to be, you know, you find the people that are, you know, that are passionate about it and, and they just seem to have all the time in the world for, you know, for having those discussions if you're interested. So Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe not everybody, but there's plenty enough people. If you ask somebody and they don't get back to you, then just ask another person, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and this is true. And, you know, I mean, it, it, this is true for sure. Yeah. 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 I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you're, you're situated in Canada, you're in Alberta, right? Yeah, in Alberta. Yeah, you bet. Okay. And so, uh, you know, a lot of, in North America, there's a lot of frame building that happens in the United States. There's, you know, a lot of suppliers and companies in the United States. And uh, so where you're at, you know, there's a border in between. And that just, 
it's so frustrating because it makes the shipping so much more money, even if it's not going yep. any further. And, uh, and, you know, you have import duties and the exchange rate between Canadian and the United States is rough. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, the yeah. community, you have Paul Brody, you have Velo color. I know a handful of builders up there. There's, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people out West. Um, definitely there's a huge mountain mm-hmm. biking scene out there, but I mean, what is your experience like in Canada? Generally, I imagine the community is, you know, is, kind of close-knit because it, it's easier to work together for things where you can than it is to always do stuff across the border. Yeah, there definitely the border issue is, you know, is a, it is a pain, uh, you know, and the, the, the added cost. I mean, most everything, all the titanium is based in U.S. pricing, so there's no getting around uh, around that, you know, from that perspective. But there is then, you know, there's duties in them, you know, if you have, if you organize it well, you can mitigate some of the, you know, some of the costs with regards to uh, customs and so on. But it's still there. You still have to pay it, and it's, uh, there's no getting around it. And and there's no getting around the added time. Uh, sometimes if you're dealing with things that are a little bit more expensive, um, you know, they generally just take a little bit more time. And uh, and it's it's not an easy it's not an easy pathway uh, to to go down uh, when you see other you know free shipping and you know, within the continental U.S., it's like, okay, <laughs> dang it, that's not working where I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but anyway, you contend with it and, and just deal with it and, you know, keep moving forward. I think that that's, you know, yes, it costs a little bit more money, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, I think our, our in Alberta, there are there, there was a frame builder years ago, Proctor, who's got a fantastic name. You know, there's a handful of, you know, people locally here that, you know, that, that uh, still, you know, hey, look at this, my Proctor, you know, and it's got a great name anyway. And uh, there's, there haven't been very many frame builders in, in Alberta in particular. And so, you know, I, I crop up as one of these, you know, a, a frame builder. It's like, well, are you going to be around for a while or not? Or, you know, there seems to be a little bit of an air of, you know, of, uh, are you just building for a hobby? Or are you building for what, you know, what are you, what's the purpose behind what you're doing? And so, you know, I've made right from the beginning, uh, my, my, you know, my uh, commitment is to build bikes for people locally, you know, and to, you know, to work with, you know, with, um, you know, with riders that want to, who want to have a local build product that, you know, that um, they can be proud of. And so that's, you know, that's been my take on, where I'm at locally, mm-hmm. there are other builders. There's Naked Bikes, Sam. We're starting from yep. the West Coast, you know, to DeKerf and and all the way across, uh, you know, Danielle Sean, uh, yep. you know, now in the West Coast. And so, and then as you move a little bit further east, obviously you've got guys from, from number 22 to Peter Dam to, um, you know, Fluent and so on, all the way to Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Um, Just, you know, uh, and so, Right. Yeah. Uh, I think he's still building bikes. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's not, I wouldn't, given, given our geographical, you know, proximities, it wouldn't, it it makes it difficult to be tight knit to that extent. Although, you know, I know that there's a bike show going on here um, in Vancouver. Um, There's going to be a handful of hand builders there, um, which I've decided to, to move that, you know, rather than go down and, and, be present with that scene. I've decided to actually um, put a couple bikes into the local bike show in Calgary. 
mm-hmm. here in a couple of weeks in, in mid-March actually and um, and try and gain a little bit more momentum and you know and be that you know hopefully that central point of of contact for other people that may you know be inclined to build and um, you know and, and be a conduit to you know to to other things that uh, that new builders might be interested in finding out about so that's been you know that's been my take on on the Canadian building scene there there certainly isn't anybody you know stepping on one another here uh, I, I have no ambition whatsoever to you know to try and sell bikes into you know into markets where other people are presently building um, you know there's enough of a local market here you know for me to to work within and uh, and maybe that's a small approach um, but you know I think that that's you know that's what feels right for me at this point in time so. mm-hmm yeah. Well, if that works for you, that's great. I uh, I never really, you know, when I was trying to make bike frames, I guess I was maybe a little bit more preoccupied with just figuring it out than marketing and, and trying to find my customer base or something. But I also just felt like I didn't, I didn't know how I would even approach that in the area where I live. It didn't, it didn't seem like a super ripe market, but that's maybe, that's maybe me like uh, being a little bit close minded about <laughs> how to go about that or something. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. yeah right uh yeah. let's talk about some of the specific bikes that you've built uh you know i i know uh, that one that you made that you had at nabs last year with the the velo color paint job that was uh what was the story with that paint job yeah so i mean it, that was a bike that um gravel bike and or you know a, a you know an all-road bike if you would and it um uh, it's a bike I built for my daughter, uh, our oldest daughter, and yeah, I mean, she's a she's a world traveler. She's been, you know, uh, I mean, she spent the summer in, in uh, Vietnam last summer. She, you know, working for the UN. She's traveled to Europe. She's been, you know, all over the place. And um, and so, you know, the the theme with that, you know, bike was, you know, was to get into something that was, you know, a little bit backcountry, a little bit, you know. And, um, so I approached fellow color, actually ran into Noah and Suzanne in, um, at, uh, NABs in Hartford and, uh, introduced, you know, got introduced back and forth and, and, you know, approached them on the, you know, this job and they were like, yeah, you know, we've got, you know, this design, these are the types of designs we do. And, and, uh, they ended up putting together a really nice, you know, topographical map design in the paint. And, um, so then, you know, it just built on that theme that, um, you know, that was a bit of an adventure, you know, world traveler, you know, bike and maybe it sounds a bit corny or whatever, but, you know, that's the type of person that she is. I think that, you know, to a large degree, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, in, in some areas, that's where the custom, you know, bike world can really fit in, you know, well. And so it was, uh, when I got the, when I got the, the frame back, uh, of course, we had to ship Toronto and back and so on. And uh, when I got it back, it was like absolutely like impeccable. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it any, any other way, not a flaw anywhere. And mm-hmm. uh, just super impressed with, uh, you know, with the transition points from, you know, from, from paint back to tie again and where they did that. And, and, um, you know, the, the, um, having the, head badge painted in, you know, so to speak. And, 
the name brand down the down tube and so on was just it was all impeccable and mm-hmm. uh, so we put the bike together assembled it obviously like I say took took it down to nabs and and um you know it just showed really well i you know, had a pretty pretty you know, reasonable amount of excitement over you know over the bike and uh, and yeah it's 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 a it's a beauty I, I think it's one of those you know those um things when you get into something deep enough and, and you start creating what you create you end up with looking at your work and thinking well you know how is it going and and that's a bit of a you know a litmus test for me to look at and think well, that's that's turning out pretty good actually you know it's not um you know the there really isn't much that, you know, that there's probably always some improvement that you can make, you know, mm-hmm. on each build. But, you know, looking at it, thinking, you oh, know, that's, that's something that if I'm putting my name to, you know, I feel proud of. And, um, yeah, you know, and it just really, really turned out nicely, you know, so. Yeah, it's super sharp. Yeah. yeah. What have you been working so, on lately in the shop? So, I mean, I've got, uh, I built a pinion fat bike that I took down to NABs. Um, that was the first pinion drive bike that I, that I built. And, um, and so I've got, right now I've got four pinion drive bikes that I'm working on. Um, one's more of an urban bike. There's, uh, there's, uh, two touring bikes and, um, and then just kind of an adventure bike design. Um, I've got two mountain bikes that I'm working on, um, two hardtails and, um, and then I've got two gravel bikes that I've got. Uh, that are also coming up some GRX, GR2, you know, one bias. Wow. And, um, yeah, so there's, there's a, there's a lot going on. It's, <laughs> it's really good. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. So what's the, uh, what's the, the riding like where you live in terms of like access to, you know, mountain biking and different things? Yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, Edmonton, is the capital of Alberta. The, you know, the Edmonton River Valley is, is got miles and miles of training or, or of, uh, of trails or kilometers of trails. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, it's all it's, metric up there, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is great, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Especially if you're in machine world. Um, uh-huh. If, and so, yeah, the Edmonton River Valley is just, there's always a new trail cropping up, you know, here or there. There's tons of single track. Um, you know, the, you, it's really great. And there's a, there's a fantastic uh, community just locally. So you can ride, you know, uh, you know, within, within minutes, you can get to, you know, to, to somewhere that's really great and go ride for, you know, the entire day if you want. Um, you can get further afield. You can go to Jasper. So you move right on the, you know, right on the, uh, cusp of the Rockies basically. And so you can get into Jasper or Banff or Canmore, um, you know, anywhere along that whole, range along the parkway, you know, between Jasper and Banff, there's lots of riding, um, you know, obviously the tour divide starts in Banff, right. And, you know, and heads down, um, as far as you want to go basically. And, uh, so yeah, the riding here locally is, is excellent. And it's, um, you know, I, I think it's probably one of those, you know, one of those areas that it's it's reasonably understated. Like, where would you go? There's, you know, if you if you dig into it, there's there's tons and tons of places to go, and it's really great. So, that's mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah, yeah, and 
I mean, other than that, I mean, one of the one of the interesting builds that that uh, done last year had uh, built up a single speed hardtail for a, a local fellow here in St. Albert, Dean Anderson, and he's a he's a ferocious rider. He's a, a local guy. He's done not on my bike, uh, but he's done the the uh, Tour Divide. He's done the ACT 750. Um, he he wanted me to build him a bike so that he could get into doing some 24 hour races. Wow. And so he, his first, uh, his first race that he had done was the Okanagan 24 on, on uh, my bike. Um, and then after that, he went and did an Everesting challenge, um, you know, out in Jasper. And so that was a 26 hour, you know, ride around Signal Mountain, basically 11 times up, you know, a total of 8,800 plus, uh, <laughs> you know, meters, right? And it's, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, yeah, and it, that's really been, you know, also a very cool part of, you know, being, you know, being planted here locally as a bike, you know, frame builder, as a titanium builder, you know, to be able to, to work with guys like Dean, you know, who have, you know, these ambitions of, if I had this, then I could go do that mm -hmm. and, uh, or, or improve upon what I'm doing. And so it's been a really good, um, you know, it's been really, uh, really fantastic to help guys out like that, that, um, you know, that have, you know, amazing ambitions. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the riding and the ridership and people in the community is, you know, it's definitely, um, you know, super solid around this, uh, this neck of the woods. So that's so yeah. cool. Uh, something that I noticed a long time ago is when you have the ability to make something, you know, it could be bikes or it could be machined parts or it could be something else entirely. Maybe it's the ability to make a nice photograph or, you know, whatever it is that you do. I noticed that like the first time you do it or the first handful of times you do it, it just is so exciting as the maker to be able to do it. And you feel like so proud of your achievements and stuff. But over time, uh, as you, you know, reproduce your ability to do this and you make more of these things, it becomes sort of like less meaningful and less exciting. Each time is maybe a little bit less of a thrill as the maker, but what makes it continue to be exciting and fun is then to see the life that other people give it. You know, if you have customers and so like once you can make one bike and then you make a hundred more, it's not a hundred times more of that same feeling. But, but if each one of them goes out into the world and lives a different life and, you know, someone else puts this one to the test here, or it allows them to do this ride with their friends there or something that becomes really quite meaningful actually. And, you know, for me to see my tools in different people's shop, you know, I know that can be pretty satisfying to use the tools. And so that makes, you know, me feel it's a lot more exciting than just doing the, the motions of like building another one of these things. I've already built a bunch of these. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm getting tired of it or, you know, whatever, but like, it's, it's, right. it's always so exciting to see what people do with it. Um, that that's what continues to make it always, you know, more exciting and more fun. Yeah. I mean, and you're right. And the relationships that you build with, you know, I don't, you call them clients, but you know, yes. Okay. You exchange, you know, money for product and back and forth, but you know, it's, I don't know if it's possible to, to build something, you know, for somebody in what we do, you know, and not have the relationship built along the way. I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, you and I with what has gone on with the two vendor, you know, that's deepened into, you know, to have the discussions and right you know, to today to, you know, to people that I've built bikes for, 
there were frames for and you know I, I see them out posting pictures of the instagram on you know on this bike that i built them and you know and it it sparks these you know these thoughts okay well that's you know these are the things we talked about this is what they were interested in doing now i see them out doing that you know and, and help them enable um you know enable them to do to go and do that the relationship you know is uh, you know i'm sure many builders will attest you know you you uh, you know you meet this person they have these ambitions you go through you know vetting out what it is that you know that they're interested in doing and and you educate one another on you know on what um you know what inevitably leads down the path to a you know to some design work and then you know then the construction of that and the assembly of it and then you know and then like you say it transitions into you know into seeing them out you know enjoying themselves challenging themselves doing what they you know what they do and and uh, so you know to build something to your point and to create something is as rewarding as that is you know is is the spark and then you know as you continue to to see that flourish into relationships and into other things that develop out of that it's like wow that was i never imagined you know that you'd be able to you know to uh, to to get to the end and look at what you know what what it is that you've created that actually has created all of this excitement and joy and and happiness in somebody else's life. So yeah, it's 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 been really fantastic, and I, I'm I'm certain those who you know that enjoy that experience is one of the larger reasons why they remain to you know to be that and and the community of people around the you know the whether you're builders or suppliers or you're otherwise mm-hmm. you know the community of people also that you know that uh, keep you engaged. It's pretty pretty amazing, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lovely little community. It's very friendly and very supportive, and a lot of super duper talented people, and uh, really, a, mm-hmm. I think a unique little uh, uh, niche or something. I don't know what you'd call it exactly, but yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I I play bluegrass music on the you know, and that's been a passion, you know, mine for a long, long period of time. Play a little guitar and some banjo and you know whatever else I can pick on and. And so, you know, there's a community much the same. I mean, people there that are wide open professional musicians that are, you know, that are coming to, you know, pick some guitar with you or mandolin or whatever. And, and, you know, I find the same type of warmth and, you know, and, um, and openness in, in that environment with those, you know, with that culture as I do with, you know, within the bike, you know, community within the custom community. It's, um, it's, it's really interesting. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, you know, you, I think you get the, you know, the yeah. best part of people. You get the real part of people, and um, you know, it's not always not always running into, you know, the agreeableness, and sometimes you run into characters that are, you know, that's not you know really what I'm looking for is the agreeable. I'm looking for somebody that, you know, that's going to tell me the straight goods. You know, either <laughs> I'm doing this good or I'm you know not doing it good or whatever, but you know, but. Uh, Anyway, it's uh, yeah, it's been really been, been really interesting for sure. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, well, I think that yeah. exhausts most of the questions I had. Uh, I, maybe one more is just you know, in, in your experience with frame building and shop work and fabrication and, and all that stuff so far, is there anything that that we haven't talked about that really struck you as like a really helpful 
piece of advice someone gave you or, or advice you have for your younger self or advice you'd have for anyone else? I, I couldn't, I, I don't even know where to start with my younger self. What a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you know, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, certainly you have to start somewhere. I, I don't, you know, I'm 51. I, you know, I've been working on working with my hands all my life. And so I don't think that, you know, you, you know, you need to be in any place that says, well, I, I don't know if I should do this or, you know, I'm too old to do that or, or otherwise, or, you know, you start somewhere, read up, up, you know, read up on it or, or if you have an interest, find those, um, that, that, uh, are, are presently doing it and certainly don't, you know, you approach it with a certain amount of respect for people, obviously, mm-hmm. but, you know, but in my experience, the, the, if you stand off and you hold, you know, yourself back from having that discussion because you put somebody on a pedestal of, you know, okay, certainly they deserve respect for what they do and, and that's great, but approach them and have open those conversations up and, yeah. and you'll soon realize that, you know, that, that people want to, they want to talk about what it is that they do and what they love and, and, uh, and, you know, that is infectious. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, I don't know if it's advice or not, but it's certainly one of those things that, you know, that to me, it, it, it uh, you know, it's to be a little bit fearless about it and, uh, and not worry about, you know, how you think you may feel about yourself. Uh, <laughs> just, just get, get into it and, uh, you know, and you'll soon realize that, you know, that uh, there's a whole world waiting for you behind your, you know, whether it's your inhibition or your, you know, your nervousness or, or otherwise, you'll you'll find that there's a, a an open world of people ready to, you know, to um, you know to uh, to share with you. So yeah, I think that's really solid advice, and uh, I think that's something that I, you know, as a when I was newer to frame building, I I would have uh, been very well served to follow that sort of uh, advice. So yeah, right on. Cool. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk this week. Uh, really excited to have you on the show and to hear more about your story. Um, yeah, talk soon. Yeah, Joel, thanks very much. I mean, I, I, I mean, this has been such a thrill for me, and and uh, you know, again, I, I thank you very much for you know the opportunity to just uh, have a chat, and and you know, I'm sure we'll have lots of chats in the in the future. So yep. uh, yeah, thanks cool. very much. I yep. really appreciate it. Yep.